What's up, guys? Welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are launching into a pretty good show today. Uh, I think you'll enjoy the topic, the conversation, and some of the things you can find out there to help your NFL season. Before we get into that, though, I want to talk about what is up over at the OBR today, where we have plenty of good content, including the 2023 Age Guard Rails by Jack Duffin, including 760 players in this whopping VIP piece. You can check it out if you're an OBR subscriber, so make sure to dig into that. A lot of players to know for the Age Guard Rails and what uh, what types of players you should be paying attention to in draft season and what types of players you should be paying attention to specifically in this class for the Cleveland Browns. And a reminder, until they make a decision this year we still know that they have not removed any one player from a draft class that Andrew Barry has brought in so continue to check that out the OBR weeklies uh, episode was live 7 p.m. last night if you're listening to this on Thursday you can go back and listen to that on the OBR's podcast channel or going to twitch Check it out either way, those destinations. Some things that have come up today that I find particularly funny when we're talking about the Cleveland Browns is, man, I had to tweet on it how many Pittsburgh people are complaining about Miles Garrett and T.J. Watt and the ratings. Listen, man, the defense that Watt plays in and how it's structured positionally for him is such a massive benefit, and the interior help that he gets is night and day difference. I think that T.J. Watt's a great player, probably also deserving of a 99 rating, but I don't think T.J. Watt is a better player than Miles Garrett. I have no uh, no belief in that. And how teams prepare for Watt versus how they prepare for Garrett is pretty indicative of how that uh, how that situation plays out in real time. So I get it. Pittsburgh people want to complain. He put up sacks last year. He had a lot of cleanup sacks. Did some things that got him NFL Player of the Year. Sorry, Defensive Player of the Year. That's fine. But I'm not gonna lose sleep over video game ratings and people are just going crazy. It's just like every single year. New video game comes out, new ratings come out. People forget that it's not it's not a year-to-year ratings. It's a progressive thing. They rate these guys based on performance over multiple years and use those ratings uh, to stretch out and predict what's going to happen. They'll move guys down. They'll move guys up. People just get so bent out of shape about it. It's insane. So, you know, if you want to complain about Madden just to keep complaining, that's fine. People have this pure nostalgia viewpoint of video games where they think every video game they played when they were young was the best video game ever, not realizing how far these things have come. And if you just sit there and complain about video games, you're not my type of person. Like, I just think it's the most annoying thing in the world to do, especially considering uh, how much better they look. And, 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 you know, they're not perfect games, but there is no perfect game. And football, football is one of the hardest sports in the world to recreate. The physics of it are insane. So moving on from Madden, which I will not be touching in the preseason at all. I just It's a waste of time to me. Even though I play the game, I like the game. I'm very excited about some of the changes that they've made when I play the game and how those are going to translate into something I care about more, which is NCAA football in the coming years. That that will be interesting to me. But nonetheless, uh, going to move past Madden, another thing that came out was the Jimmy Garoppolo uh, interest. I think Doug Hyatt from PFF had tweeted something about the Browns. Did research on Jimmy G and uh, were, 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 you know, he was on the list of quarterbacks that they were going to maybe potentially pursue if, if the Watson thing didn't come to fruition and they're kind of keeping an eye now on the suspension length. That's fine. They, they, I mean, like the only way a deal for Jimmy Garoppolo is happening for the Browns is if suspension is long for Watson, right? It has to be a long suspension, potentially a year, and the Browns can get essentially what Carolina got for Baker Mayfield, a cheap deal where the 49ers eat a bunch of the money and maybe take a very, very late seventh-round pick. And even so, they still are pointing towards 
uh, eventually just releasing him more than anything else. So this Garoppolo news is nothing new. Uh, it's just it's a waste of everybody's time to go into it. We have to first see what the suspension looks like from Watson. Then we can go from there on any potential things they might want to do uh, outside of the Jacoby Brissett uh, situation right now. So moving on from that, it's not really worth our time until we find out the first legs of this. But we are going to get over to an interview, which I think has so much great stuff in it. I'm going to talk to you about it in just a minute. So we're going to move over to an interview with Cleve T.A. does a great job. Follow him on Twitter. Talk all about where you can find him here in just a moment. Let's get to that interview right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Always great when I can steal some of, listen, I think one of the best betting minds, uh, a great study of the numbers uh, behind the NFL success and failure. He's Cleve TA on Twitter. Uh, make sure you check out his stuff and follow if you already not. He's been on this show a couple of times. Uh, Cleve, man, what's up? How are you? Good, Jake. How's it going? Uh, we're in the uh, the quote-unquote dead period right before training camp, so uh, I'm looking forward to the season starting here uh, in a couple of weeks. It, it is. Uh, it's needed. It's needed. Seven days from camp, get some fresh stories. Get, well, we, there's one big story to drop, which we're not going to waste time on because everybody's <laughs> wasted too much time on it, but we'll get there. But what I want to do with you today, TA, is, is really talk about you know, this, this analytics site you've put together, which is so great, cleveanalytics.com. It's on his Twitter page. Again, that's C-L-E-V-T-A on Twitter. You can find links to everything you want to see. And what, what drew my eye to it, man, is like, it, it's just visually great. But I want to backtrack it before we get to that preview and talk a little bit about where your site came together. I know you were with, with Sharp Analysis and all of that, and then you, you kind of pushed out on your own. So what, where did that all come from? And um, just, just take us through that story of why you love doing this stuff. Yeah, so I, um, you know, I did work with Warren Sharp for a couple of years, and that was great. We actually, um, I worked with him on, on the team side of things uh, in terms of uh, he consulted with a couple NFL teams, and, and one in particular that was kind of a full time. You know, every week we would uh, scout the other the, the opponents' defenses for 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 that team's offense every week, and so I helped them put together some of those reports and things like that. It was really interesting, and then also worked on his site for a couple of years and. Um, and, you know, after, uh, the, the, 
um, the team that, that we were working with um, ended up um, getting rid of their coach. They, they changed some things around and um, it was mainly just, okay, now you're going to work on the site if you, you know, while you're here. And I just, I wanted to kind of try something on my own. Um, a lot of people have been asking me, Hey, are you going to ever kind of branch off of your own? And, um, you know, I've got a full-time job separate from this. So this is more of a hobby, but, you know, I decided last minute for the season last year to, to put something together and, you know, it was pretty successful. I was really happy with it. It's a lot of work putting, literally put uh, together another full-time job worth of, uh, of hours every week on this, but people were generally happy and, um, you know, got to, to the off season here and, you know, was asked by, um, you know, someone within uh, kind of a, a friend of a, a media member who, who wanted some information on uh, the NFL to kind of get, get up to speed on what happened in the off season. And, um, I put, put this together with the help of, uh, a guy I hired, uh, Chase, who's um, a young guy who's starving to get in the, in the NFL analytics, and he's a data scientist on his own. And he was able to put together a lot of this, the great visualizations that you see uh, on this preview. And and I kind of hammered away on 32 teams in, in about two weeks, and uh, it turned out pretty well. People are pretty happy, but, uh, you know, so I'm glad, I'm glad the, the um, the people that are, that are reading this are finding, um, you know, information here that that's important. So, um, you know, that, that makes it satisfying. Yeah. I want to, I want to dig in on the information as it pertains to Cleveland, because we could do all 32 teams, but that's not why people tune into this show. And there's so much good stuff on Cleveland, but I want to remind everybody for, for some unbeknownst charitable reason, TA has given this for free. If you want it, you can download it. You can go through his Twitter page, go to clevelandanalytics.com and download it. It's free. It has all 32 teams with a bevy of great information. I'm talking, you're going to get season reviews. You're going to get the luck factor from last year, strengths, weaknesses, depth charts, EPA, uh, uh, advanced metrics on both sides of the football. Um, Just everything you really need, in my opinion, to in one page. And I know that's what you're going for. TA is kind of looking at a team. Can we condense it down to one page and make it digestible last year's schedule results, this year's schedule, what the number is, right? Whether you're favored or not favored in the, and, and, and pretty much everything you could conceivably need is on this page. And what I want to do, as I remind everybody, again, go download this. And I'm, I don't know, man, I, I, as a guy who meanders the, to what is it, a habitual line stepper of the free or not free hard work, I hope you guys get some return on this as you, as you move forward because it is, it is fantastic stuff that I think every fan should download. So let's, let's talk about the Browns, man, like with some of these things. So let's do this. Talk to us about some of the things that stand out in your one-page preview about the Browns as if we were five. So explain your luck factor to us and explain some of the other things that you think really stand out that makes you lean one direction or the other. I know it's Watson, it's difficult, but there's leans one way or the other. I'm just curious kind of tying this into your Browns preview for the year. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, when we look back at the prior season, just, with you know, with any team, um, you know, as the Bill Parcells adage that you are what your, your record says you are isn't necessarily true. I think anybody who's, who digs into numbers and um, statistics, you know, realizes that not all teams are created the same depending on their record. You know, there's different ways to get to that record uh, at the end of the day. Um, so it, it's important to kind of contextualize how each of these teams, um, you know, arrived at their win-loss record. Were they, were they kind of, um, were they lucky one way or another? Did they get the, you know, the, an outlier level of uh, bounce of the ball? Did they, you know, suffer through a bunch of injuries? Were they healthy? All those sorts of things that can factor into 
um, you know, at the end of the day, what happened last year. And that might be able to help us predict what happens next year. So, you know, I, I not only do you, you know, on this on these previews and with the Browns situation, you can look at, you know, what did they do in the draft? What what does their depth chart look like now? What did they do in free agency? I think a lot of people essentially forget what they what, what teams have done in free agency, even kind of on the on the fringes, not necessarily all the starters that they they acquired or lost, but you know, even some of the depth pieces. So, you know, that's all good to refresh. And then, you know, separate from that. How did the, you know, how did the Browns, how did anybody um, come up with, you know, essentially how did they arrive at their record? And so, uh, you know, some teams, like I said, are uh, essentially what their record is, is kind of in line with how they perform. But there are other teams that, you know, got really lucky or got really unlucky. And a lot of those things will, reg- you know, typically will regress the next season towards the middle of the pack, you know, in general. And so uh, I look at these luck factors and put them in quote. In quotes, uh, things like fumble recovery luck. So, you know, it's one thing I, I think it's I think you'd agree there's there's a skill factor in actually stripping the football right if you're a defense. But once the ball hits the ground, I mean, you have no idea where that ball is going to bounce. You have I mean, there's pile ups and all those sorts of things. So it's pretty uh, much a coin flip proposition in most cases as to who's rec- recover that fumble. And we know that turnovers really play a huge role, probably the, the biggest role um, and, and teams winning or losing. So if you get a lot of those fumble recoveries, or if you don't, uh, that's going to, that's going to impact potentially your wins and losses. So that's one factor that I look at, you know, the Browns were 29th in the NFL last year, and they only recovered 37% of their fumbles, um, that were on the ground. So, you know, that's something that, you know, a couple of those bounces either way, you can improve potentially by a game or two. Um, and so you'd hope that would, fall closer to the middle of the pack at worst um, this season. Uh, and you look historically, I mean, teams that are bottom five in the NFL in fumble recovery rate uh, typically climb the ranks by about 15 spots on average the next season. So again, right, uh, that typically puts them in the middle of the NFL. So, you know, you'd hope that the Browns will get a little bit of that uh, bounce of the bounce of the ball luck, if you will. Uh, then I look at other things like injury luck, obviously, and it's easy to just to, to, to you know, understand that, you know, number of games missed and all those sorts of things. But Football Outsiders does a really nice job. Um, I don't know if anybody um, goes onto that site, but they they do a really nice job of what they call their adjusted games loss metric, which, um, you know, creates a essentially a, um, an impact uh, for injuries by position. So obviously, you know, losing a quarterback for a number of games due to injury is way more impactful than losing, you know, your, your defensive tackle, right? It's, you can't weigh those the same. So they do a nice job of um, creating a metric that, that, that weighs the impact of specific uh, injuries to, to specific positions. So, uh, you know, the Browns were, you know, essentially middle of the pack there last year with that uh, in that position. But you look at a team like the Ravens, they've, I think they set the record for the most impactful injuries lost. So, you know, that's one that you would hope, um, you know, they would not for their sake, would not see that that level of injury again. Um, then we look at other things like one score game percentage, win percentage. You know, how do you perform in these close games when, when again, it's essentially it's a coin flip either way. Are you um, getting lucky at the end of games? Are you, you know, recovering fumbles? Are you um, making field goals and your opponents are missing? All those sorts of things. So, um, you know, if there is a if there is an outlier uh, one way or another from a from a one score game. Uh, win percentage, you know, that could regress the next year. I mean, Buffalo two years ago, as great of a season as they had, 
Um, they, they were uh, five, and, I think they were five and one in one score games. And then last year they were 0 and five, you know, completely flip. So you never know uh, how that can impact your season. You know, they, they would have had home field advantage if they just won a couple of those. So it can really impact your season. Um, and the Browns, again, were about middle of the pack. So that wasn't really uh, a big issue. I think they were four and five last year in one score games. Uh, but one area that they, they uh, did not get a lot of good luck is in the special teams. I mean, we know how poorly they, were, they performed, a, you know, from a field goal unit perspective on offense. But defensively, and I put that in quotes, uh, they allowed um, the highest percentage of field goals to be made in the NFL, 96%. Uh, opposing field goal kickers missed only one field goal on them the entire season. Um, Is there, let me ask you this, a random question. Maybe you've, maybe you've heard of this. Maybe you haven't. Is there any correlation? And this is something maybe I need to look into between defensive tackle quality and missed field goals, because most of the time it feels like a kicker is going to be flustered a bit more by interior leakage on some things, line of sight things. I don't know. Maybe you've never heard of this or maybe you have. I was just curious if that's ever been floated out for, for, you know, dictating some of those things. It could be totally capricious with making those kicks and not making them, but the Browns being yeah, so I, I severely poor, you know? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I haven't dug into that. I mean, at this day and age, like there's so many things you can't do, right? Like you can't go over the, the, the center, right, at, uh, on these mm-hmm. kicks. You can't do certain things. Um, teams rarely try and block kicks from, from what I can tell. Like it's not necessarily – um, you know, huge strategy. Uh, they just kind of let them go <laughs> from what I could see. But, yeah, um, yeah. you know, it's really hard to affect these kickers these days. They're, they're so good. Um, so you do expect that a lot of these kicks to be made. But, you know, look at Cleveland. We know that the weather conditions are difficult. There's a lot of swirling wind. So it's not like they're in a dome. So for an outdoor cold weather team like the Browns to allow the highest percentage, that's, that's fairly, fairly uh, fluky. Um, and like I said, all these long kicks – yeah, and again, uh, for kicks over 42 yards, opponents went 12 for 12. It wasn't like oh, these yeah. – it's one thing if they uh, they were making a bunch of 30-yarders, you know, that that's that's a different thing. Like that that's expected to happen. But when you're talking about 42-plus-yard kicks and, and a handful of 50-yarders, you know, that's not something that you, know, you would expect every year. Now, they are in a division, you know, with McPherson and, and Justin Tucker where, uh, you know, they're likely to see a bunch of good kickers, but – you know, you look at the Bengals, same division, right? It, they had the second lowest percentage of opposing field goals made on them, 74%. So, you know, it's not necessarily, um, you know, conducive to, to what, uh, um, you know, what, what you're, you're facing every week. It's just, it could be kind of fluky. So, you know, again, that's that, and that could, that Daniel Carlson kick doesn't go in and the Browns could be in the playoffs, right? Like it's, it's one or yeah. two of these little things um, that can really, really be impactful on a season and be the difference between making the playoffs and not. And, um, you know, opposing field goal kickers is definitely one of them. And, and I guess I'll, I'll take a look to see if there's any correlation between maybe, you know, run defense and uh, um, an opposing field goal percentage. That's, that's interesting. But, you know, even if that was the case and you were to get a little bit more pressure than, than uh, you know, maybe a bad run defense, it's I can't imagine it affects it that much where it's, it's mm-hmm. a big mo- uh, needle mover. But uh, I will take a look at that. It's interesting. It's interesting. One thing that caught my eye, another couple of things that caught my eye when I'm looking at it again, it's all condensed perfectly in one sheet for you guys to check out, is the explosive play rate on offense. They were first. And I think anybody who watched the Browns, T.I., I'm sure you did, just kind of blindly looking at them. It's like, really? You know, that that is an interesting metric for them, considering we kind of feel like most people feel like they couldn't create explosives. So 
is that is that one like how is that measured? Is that twenty plus yard plays? Is that both pass and run combined? What does that look at? Yeah, so that's uh, ten plus yards uh, on the ground and twenty plus yards, yards uh, through the air. And so it's funny, Donovan mm-hmm. Peoples Jones actually was number one among all NFL wide receivers in explosive pass rate. Now, again, he got a lot less targets, so it's on a per pass or per target um, uh, percentage. So you know, obviously, if his volume goes up this year, that that may be reduced a little bit, but you know, we saw in, you know, David and Joku, he, he gets a lot, you know, he doesn't catch a lot of balls necessarily, but when he does, he can, he can break them pretty, uh, pretty long. So, you know, you do get, uh, you know, he was third in the NFL, by the way, in explosive uh, rece- receiving rate among uh, tight ends. And I mentioned uh, people's Jones was number one, uh, but again, both of them had low volume, right? So you want that to, if you can increase that, that, that would be great because they do need those big plays. And then obviously we know Nick Chubb, you know, creates a bunch of big plays on the ground. That's, uh, this shouldn't be too surprising. We know the Ernest Johnson does as well. I mean, they were fourth and fifth in the NFL uh, in explosive run rate. They're actually one and two among running backs. The top three were all quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Lamar Jackson. So then it went Nick Chubb and Dearness Johnson. So, you know, the Browns, uh, for, for all their troubles, you know, I think that's a, a testament to, you know, some of the, the run blocking on offense and, and the ability to break tackles. But then also I think Kevin Stefanski's scheme will, you know, does allow that. So all the, the talk about his uh, offense not being, you know, he should give up play calling and maybe he's not creative enough and all those sorts of things. I, you know, you, you, you look at the, the, the film more than I do and break down the schemes. I, I think his schemes are perfectly good and, and guys are open. It's just a matter of actually hitting them and creating those big plays. It's my number one pet peeve TA. Can't stand it. <laughs> Drives me nuts, man. So, um, a couple things I want to point out to folks who, who maybe don't have time to check this out, and I just want to highlight the work here, which, again, is great. Um, offensively, the Browns' third down conversion uh, number here. So third down conversion overexpected. They were 23rd. Obviously hoping that picks up this year, needing it to pick up. Drop back EPA, they were 21st. Has to get better. Many of the other metrics were fine. You know, yards per play, they were 17th. That needs to tick up a little bit. But, again, not terrible. Defense is where it gets interesting to me. The rush EPA, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong here, T. It kind of feels like they don't don't give a shit about that like it's just going to be yeah. it's just going to be it is what it is we just want to stop the, the the teams from throwing the football they're 15th and drop back epa probably want that to uptick a little bit i would say two things that stand out to me as needing to flip a little and sometimes these are luck driven just bounce of the ball guy makes a t- misses a, you know misses a tackle or stretches out gets a first down third down conversions overexpected on defense they were 21st in the red zone touchdown percentage they were 28th those two are like key metrics to me that have to improve. Does anything else stand out to you from those metrics? I know you'll, we'll talk about offensive line stuff that you listed here in a minute, but those two are kind of the key things that I, I don't even think it needs to go crazy. You just, you could see a flip in those two and, you know, you get into the top 15 and you're looking at a better overall defense. Yeah. And I think that the third and fourth down, especially on both sides of the ball, I mean, offensively, mm-hmm. um, how many times did we have to watch Baker drop back on fourth down and take a sack? Like that was just brutal. Um, you know, for an analytically driven front office and, and coaching staff that wants to go for it and be aggressive on fourth down, that had to kill them, that he was just holding out of the ball on those fourth downs. I mean, I, I posted it uh, last week, you know, last year among um, quarterbacks on third and fourth downs, Baker was second worst in sack, if you added sack and interceptions per drop back uh, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Justin Fields was only uh, quarterback who was worse. He was 27th in success rate too. So, you know, on third and fourth downs, that, that has to, to improve. Deshaun Watson uh, in 2020, by the way, was was number two in the NFL in success rate on third and fourth downs behind Patrick Mahomes. So, 
you know, talk about a flip in in uh, third and fourth down uh, offensive efficiency. You know, when you know if and when he gets on the field, that's going to be something that is going to be a, a, a you know breath of fresh air. And then defensively, yeah, the you know the thing that's interesting is on early downs, this defense was really really good. They, they were mm-hmm. essentially elite. Uh, they're top ten in the NFL. But when it came to third and fourth downs, like we saw two years ago, they really struggled. Um, and it's really stopping the run more than anything. I, I'm pretty sure I got to look back at my notes that on fourth down, they did not stop uh, the opposing offense on a single fourth and uh, fourth down rushing play. They allowed a hundred percent success rate. Um, so, you know, some of those uh, like their fourth and one QB sneaks are really hard to stop, but you know, there's a handful of, you know, straight handoffs to running backs that uh, were able to get four or five yards. And, you know, there were other teams in, in the NFL that actually had a lower kind of average yards to go than the Browns did. And they allowed a, um, a lower success rate it should have been higher, right? Because they had teams had a, would have had an easier chance to, uh, to get first downs on them. So they really need to do, I know they don't give a crap about stopping the run necessarily, but in those crucial high leverage situations, they need to do something different um, in order to stop those obvious, you know, run situations. And so, you know, I'm not sure what it is. I mean, look at the Chargers who, again, with Brandon Staley, they, they love analytics and they decided to really go after some run stoppers. So, you know, maybe these teams are starting to um, think about, you know, different ways to to go about, um, you know, stopping the run that doesn't really affect their their pass coverage, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't have to bring more pressure. You don't have to bring more guys and that will leave guys, you know, more free in the secondaries to, to stop in coverage. But um, those are things that I think, you know, when you have a, a wide gap between early down success allowed and late down success, it doesn't make sense, right? Like if you have the talent um, and the coaching to, to um, stymie teams and stymie offenses on, on early downs, uh, you know, to an elite level, like why would you all of a sudden on third downs just be that poor? It, it shouldn't be that wide of a gap. I mean, you know, it's, it's not um, not something that you, you, you would you know, like to see normally. So you'd like to see those things converge at some point. So, yeah, definitely, you know, I think they, they improved a little bit last year. It was really, really awful. I think they were worse than the NFL two years ago um, yeah. on defense at third and fourth downs. And it was just last year was was bad. It just wasn't as bad as <laughs> it was a couple of years ago. So, you know, hopefully Joe Woods and, you know, the scheming is a little bit different. That, I did notice, too, they only had one sack. They've only had one sack um, on fourth down um, in the last two years on defense, which is interesting. So, you know, not like there's a huge sample size, but they're not getting to the quarterback when they really need to on those fourth downs as well. So you, you want to see that pick up. I think that would definitely obviously help, um, eliminate, uh, opposing offenses on these drives and get the ball back for the offense. Well, Hey, that could change week one. They give Mayfield, maybe we'll just double that output in, uh, in an instant week. But anyway, yeah, such great stuff there, man. Like, I, I don't think they care a ton about run game, but they don't want to be 28. Like, could they, could you could you creep toward 20th in EPA? Could you could you get a little more respectable? That has to be the goal. And then to your to your point, you know, the third and fourth down stuff it's 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 backbreaking. It's just crippling to be so good on early downs. And 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 I know that it doesn't take a stretch of everybody's imagination to remember last year just how many times. And even Joe Wood's first year, like you said that it just seems like they get teams on these third downs and it's multiple times a drive and they cannot figure out how to funnel people to the right spot or they get schemed up. That's one thing about Joe Woods, who I like. I like his general scheme and I like his philosophy, eliminating explosives, all that stuff. I think they do a nice job in some areas, but they do have some things that OCs have a great feel for on money down moments. So 
that's particularly worth paying attention to. And I would imagine that that's something that Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, as evaluators of his, his job performance, need to see tidy up this year. There's no doubt about it. They have to be better on those late downs. And again, to your point about Mayfield and and Watson on those those key and crucial downs, like it. Listen, that's just the perfect example of it. Doesn't take very much digging to figure out why the Browns sat and, and made the decision they did. Even with all the risk and all the collateral damage that it brings, like it just you just look at it and it's night and day. And you have to look at it from the perspective of football player performing and that's it's the data is it's cut and dry everywhere it's not just the example ta gave it's like it's everywhere man you can find it all over the place we'll get out with this one ta a couple things pass blocking efficiency i think goes up they they, they sh- as long as they're healthy as long as you're not playing blake hans at tackle a ton like right. it, it should be better even this is the, and this has been my point leading up to this year 15th to me again feels like the bottom of the barrel and that's kind of where they were last year they were forced to play a really banged up jed and, and hans and Hudson is a rookie playing before he should like even if the worst version of uh, of this group Callahan led group is 15th you can get by and especially now better you can get by with a quarterback who can move a little bit so that obviously helps eliminate some of those uh, sack rate issues but that's that's the thing I want to sort of say oh go ahead go ahead well I was just gonna say and too I mean look at Deshaun Watson's history that that Houston offensive line has been pretty pathetic (laughs) his entire career I mean one of the worst in the NFL each and every year. So even if they're 15th, even if they were with the, the, the Browns were last year, that's still a huge improvement on what he's had to deal with in his career. So like I said, I agree with you. Like a lot of that was injuries. Hopefully they get Conklin back. You know, he probably he won't be hundred percent likely to what he was before, but you know, 90% or 80% would still pretty good. And then you've got, you know, Jedrick Wills, hopefully who's, who's healthy. Um, and you just hope Nick Harris is not a, a major step down at center. And, yeah. and you know, they got the bookend tack or bookend guards. Um, and hopefully that's, that's good enough. Like you said, just middle of the pack at worst, if that's your, your floor. Okay. You know, yep. um, and anything above that, I think, uh, w- would be really, really nice cherry on top. And it's obviously they have the upside to do that. Um, and I think Watson would love that. So, um, he's yeah. going to, he's going to be really good in that behind a, a good offensive line. Yeah, he can help them instead of them feeling like they have to, you know, they have to be the pressure of an offensive lineman feeling like I have to be perfect, right? I have to be perfect. Or if I lose my guy in this scenario, whatever, if I don't get to the three tech and it's blown up. That's the thing about the run game is they have these running backs, especially Nick, who can create a mistake and, and turn a mistake into something. If you, if you made a mistake in the passing game last year and really throughout much of Baker's recent history, it just was going to result in a negative. Now, if you got a quarterback that can get out of some of those negatives, it just, it's completely, you know, people talk about it's uplifting for your wide receivers, right? You know, on every single time you go back and you, you run to the, you don't get the huddle, get the play, you're out there. I could get the ball. I don't care if I'm the third guy. I don't care if I'm running backside routes, whatever. I, you, you, I got a chance, man. This guy can decipher it and he can scramble and I can be in scramble drill. And that's, it just changes everything about how you go about every single down. And I think that's the same for an offensive lineman. You don't have that pressure. You can play free. I know, hey, man, maybe I didn't finish this rep, but Deshaun was able to step up, slide out, and make a play, and that makes me feel really good, and that's the quarterback that you ultimately love because it's like, hey, you saved my butt here. So, um, And think about this. I mean, Baker Mayfield did not do them any favors. He actually led the NFL. When you look at percentage of pressures that turned mm-hmm. into a sack, he led the NFL among all quarterbacks nearly 30%. Um, that I mean, that's on – a lot of times that's on him, right? He held the ball yep. too long. Um, and you know, or, or he just wasn't mobile enough to get out of that. And we know that Watson is the opposite of that. Uh, Watson was like middle of the pack of the NFL two years ago. So again, behind a much worse offensive line. 
So I, and he had plenty of time to throw Baker. did. So not, oh, not man. all of that, you know, those sacks are on, uh, on that offensive line that was banged up. You know, a lot of that was on him. So, it, yeah. you know, that, that's going to be something that, I mean, he had the fifth highest uh, uh, time to throw last year. So, Jeez. you know, uh, that, again, that's all doesn't, it doesn't take much uh, data dive to much. figure out. Yep. So let's do this to close. We're, we're looking at the schedule. You get excited about this year because, you know, it's a new football season and you want to maximize every single uh, of the 18 weeks, but you do have to come up with a realistic situation where Watson's not going to be a part of a large portion of it. We're not going to play schedule game stuff, but I am interested in what your threshold number is where if Watson misses eight games, 10 games, 12, six, what's your number of like, I, th- I think I'm pretty comfortable with the Browns being able to still navigate this and give themselves a real chance to make the playoffs. I'm kind of looking, maybe the better way to put it is if the suspension gets announced and you're like, well, that's too many, I really don't feel comfortable projecting them to, to make the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I think eight games is kind of the magic number for me. Um, yeah. You know, obviously just the way the schedule is laid out too helps, you know, maybe I normally say, you know, six or four to six, but when the first four games you're going to be favored in essentially no matter what, with even with Jacoby Brissett, um, you can get away uh, with with you know not having him for the first eight games, and if you can go four and four, which I think is very doable. Again, you're going to be favored in those four games to start, let alone uh, a couple of the other ones after that. So, you know, if you could just get to 500, and then you know hopefully um, you know Watson will come in and, and he's not too rusty. I think you're definitely still a playoff contender, and you know once you get in with that you know, with that quarterback and he's going to have a bunch of games under his belt at that point. I mean, they can do a lot of damage. Um, so, you know, obviously a tough AFC, very competitive, but you know, I think they can still get to 10 wins, even at a, even with um, Watson missing eight games, in my opinion, once you get to like double digits in terms of games missed, that's going to be difficult. Cause then, cause then you got to play teams like Buffalo and, Ta- and Tampa at that point, yeah. once you get to 10, 12 games. So you don't want that with, with Brissett. I mean, he's fine against Carolina and against uh, the Falcons and against the Jets. But once you get to the upper echelon, that's where he's really going to, going to struggle. Um, I think against the, the weaker opponents, you know, they'll definitely be able to scheme up, you know, a lot of the run run game and the quick, quick throws and, um, you know, use that offensive line. The thing with Brissett is, yeah, he's not a great quarterback, but he's adequate enough. He's a professional and he's never had an offensive line. I put this in the, in the preview. I mean, if you look at the PFF pass block rankings of the, the offensive lines that he's had to play behind uh, when he's actually started more than a handful of games, three times in his career, they ranked 32nd, 23rd, and 29th. Okay. So we're talking, you know, a huge improvement here with the Browns. And then you look at the run games. I mean, Marlon Mack is the best running back he's had to play with. So he's had very, very tough, um, you know, dealing with that, that supporting cast that he's had. He's going to have by far the best run game, by far the best offensive line he's had. And so I think at that point, you know, you just need him to not screw up and he's professional enough and he's done it with the Patriots. He did it in a tough situation with, with the Colts. I think he'll be fine, and I think it'd be good enough to to get them to four and four um, if it's an eight game suspension. So that's what I'm looking at. Me too. I think I think he can make he can make what throws the defenses give him. He's not gonna he's not gonna create from from any sort of breakdown. He's not gonna be able to be a third and twelve guy you feel great about. But come off play action fakes, you know, hit a corner route, hit a double move. He can hit a crosser. He can do those things, man. He can he can do those simple things that we were so frustrated with last year that just weren't consistently done. So like you said, well, well, I think you placed it at the perfect spot. He's, he's not a, 
he's not a dude, right? He's not a great quarterback, but he can be serviceable. And if, if you can navigate eight games with him, uh, I think it's very possible. Eight is kind of the number for me too. So um, yeah, this is great, man. A ton, so much good stuff. And I cannot, I cannot urge you guys enough to go to the website, uh, clevanalytics.com and download this, man. It is well worth your time and just a good piece of like, hey, they play the Jets this week. Oh, this is what the Jets have. Well, you get players added, players lost, their draft picks. All of it condensed beautifully with a two deep depth chart as well. So, TA, man, any time we are able to steal some of your time, it is, it is a pleasure, man. So uh, very much appreciated. No, I appreciate it, Jake. Uh, thanks for having me on. Anytime you need me, just let me know. And, you know, hopefully we're talking a playoff run later in the season. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to the season. So I appreciate it. Of course, man. Hopefully we can reconnect uh, as things maybe toward the bye week and see where things sit. So, again, check out TA stuff uh, on, on both his Twitter page where you get a ton of insights and then his website as well, which has great stuff that goes beyond just data. I mean, you're talking fantasy and, and betting insights, I mean, and all. I mean, it's just great. If that's your thing, it's it's right up your alley. You can't find anything better out there. So, all right, we'll be right back, guys. Thanks for checking in today's episodes. I think it was really good kind of getting back on track with this whole thing is now the wife and I are playing two-on-two two with these little ones, two boys in the house now. So trying to navigate that life as best we can. So again, appreciate all of your patience on that. Hopefully get back to the more consistent everyday episodes moving forward if time permits. But if I miss a few, you know why newborn life is tough to keep up with. So again, thanks for checking it out, supporting the OBR's website, Twitch, and this podcast. Have a great day, guys, and go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.